Fuck yes, Chewy Darso. Hi. And Emily Blake. Hey. Uh, Jonathan Hardesty is still dead. Uh, we still miss him very much. Uh, and I uh, hear his, uh, his newborn daughter is quite fun. So I look forward to meeting her at some point. Quite yeah. fun in all the photos where she's asleep. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of awake photos. No. He's got a lot of snoozing baby photos. <laughs> Being born is hard. Yeah, it looks like it's exhausting. <laughs> uh, special guest this week, we have Tamara Brooks. Hello! Uh, back from our Wonder Woman episode, right? Yes. Yeah. We're, yeah. We I, probably need a whole other episode because we got off on a lot of tangents to them talk about yeah. them. Yeah, we do that Great, sometimes. Great, it was academic. Yeah, it was... Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we have Diego Maroskal back. Hello. Maroskal, did I fucking Maroskal. Yeah, you did. I'm going to do it fun. every time you it's, it's great. It's tradition. <laughs> uh, Diego, I totally forgot what other episode you're on. Which one are you on? Uh, we did the one with the girl that was dying. What oh, that doesn't narrow anything down. <laughs> yeah, really. I'm blanking that too. Yeah, the one with the girl that was sick, and then the guy, the boyfriend stayed with her, and then the big sick, R- Romano. Terrible. Yeah, the big yeah. sick. Oh, okay. so you made that sound like a terrible movie. <laughs> no, it was a great movie. I loved it. That's a really good movie. It was, was like, a great Sweet movie. November. <laughs> How many rom coms slash teen yeah. dramas? That was the, the best fault one. In our stars. I don't remember doing that. But they're both dying in the fault in their stars. Right? Yeah. Everyone dies. Am I not close enough? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, sweet, sweet, sweet uh, teenage love stories with death. Even when I was teenage a loves cancer. Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Even when I was a teenager, I did not understand why dying was romantic. Because of Shakespeare. Like, this is, of Shakespeare. Why do they keep yeah. making all these really goth movies that aren't about goth? Because of Shakespeare. Because <laughs> well, of Shakespeare. <laughs> my favorite thing is like, Romeo and Juliet, such a great love story. It's a tragedy. It's a yeah, tragedy. Exactly. It is straight it's just up about hormones and how dumb they make. Yeah, it. a thirteen-year-old girl killing herself over a boy. Yeah. Uh, She's known for two days. Yeah. <laughs> but we're in love. Uh, all right, we'll do a quick. Where have you been doing before we jump into today's episode? I will happily go first because this week, much like the rest of comic book fandom, I celebrated Superman's birthday uh, with Action Comics 1000, which was awesome, and I'm very excited that it happened. It is one of two comics that are recently going to hit 1000. Detective Comics will hit it here, I think, in six months. I could Mm. be a little bit off on that, but somewhat soon. And then we won't have another Southern issue for a long time. So it's a really big deal, and it was really exciting. The next one will be, I was talking to my comic book store, should be Spider-Man, I think, because they're Mm. at 800 right now. So we still have 200 issues till we get to another 1,000th issue. It wouldn't be yeah. Batman? Isn't Batman? Well, Detective yeah. Comics. Det- but, yeah. Uh, but and then when did Batman start? Though? They haven't done legacy numbering on those. So. Oh, wow. Huh. And they've started and stopped so many times. It's Right. It's they lost track. Yeah. And they were Detective Comics for so long till actual Batman started. I, I don't know when that actual book started. But yeah. And they always ran at the same time. So right. Yeah. They, it was like, oh, hey, people like Batman. Let's give him 15 more books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the issue is really cool. Uh, I also got the hard copy of the 80 Years of Superman, which is like a 300 like collection of like different books of Superman's like legacy, which is really cool, uh, including Marv Wolfman, who had saved a very old, originally drawn by Joel Schuster and uh, Joel Siegel. Um, like they'd drawn out a book, decided they didn't want to do it, and threw it away. Oh. And he was an intern at DC at the time, and went and found those pages and hung wow. on to them all these years. And then for the 80th anniversary, they're like, hey, can we print those? And he said, only if you let me script it. Oh, wow. Whoa. So he got to script a book that was a re- drawn by the by original Schuster, creator of Superman. Wow. Just and so you guys know, it's very important to always dumpster dive when you're young. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so it's really cool uh, if you've ever enjoyed comics at all. Like, I'm not even trying to say that just for Superman fans. Like, it's it's worth picking up because it's just such an awesome 
celebration of comics and everything. Um, that's it for me, though. Uh, Chewie, what have you been doing? Well, we actually had a very busy week. We did the Star Wars Star Wars Void Experience. Which was awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. Little expensive for how long it is, 15 minutes. But what it is, is it? Uh, it's a VR experience where you're on a full immersive uh, thing where you get just like your sight is VR and then you get big headphones so you can only hear what's in the VR. And you have a front and back, like chest and back plate uh, that does vibrate while you're walking through it. And Especially if you get shot. Yeah. Um, and they just have a course that's laid out to match what is in the VR. So you're walking around, and at one point, K9 tells, not K9. Wrong uh, <laughs> <amazing>. robot. <laughs> if K9 showed up in the Star um, Wars experience, I'd be so happy. <laughs> the robot K-9! from Rogue One, I forgot his name. K2SO. K2SO yeah. uh, tells you to sit down, and then you look behind you, and you're like, oh, there is a bench. And then I just like, touch it and be like oh there is a bench mm. it's very uh, scary because you're blind you're, you're and getting deaf, used and it's to like, it yeah. i need to sit down oh my you god you have to trust what's going like is actually around you and uh, for a moment it's a little disorientating but then it's a lot of fun uh the picture is not included in the cost at the end which is annoying mm. um and then we saw i love dogs and we saw a quiet place and we're recording two episodes today. Yeah. you gotta save some of this stuff dude well i'll just talk about i love dogs right now really fast um, I enjoyed it, but I've come to decide I'm getting really annoyed at Wes Anderson and how he can't write female characters. Uh, before I was always very forgiving for him because they seemed fun and quirky, and now I'm just like, no, every single freaking female character he writes is on a pedestal. Mm. They're like a wise goddess or just a quirky thing. There's also the <laughs> issue of the cultural appropriation from that movie. I've well, he did it with Japanese people, like it was a cross-cultural creation so that cultural appropriation doesn't really work for me when you actually have a writer that is japanese with you writing it and most of a good portion of movies in japanese with no subtitles with japanese actors with japanese yeah so you can't really i don't like it when people jump on the cultural appropriation train really quickly because i'm like wait we are a global economy a global like we're all connected at this point why can't we actually work together on some things? And that's not necessarily cultural appropriation. Well, no, I don't think that was... I, I don't... Since I didn't see the movie, I just read an article about the criticisms. Yeah, it's so. the people like to jump on that these days. I'm like, Ghost in the Shell. Okay, that's dumb. Cultural appropriation slash whitewashing. This movie, not so much. <laughs> uh, but there's only two female dogs, the whole movie. Two! Hmm. An entire aisle of dogs. There's two female dogs. Like the Smurfs. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. and they both just come up with mysterious lighting looking down at the male dogs going, I am wise. I know things, essentially. <laughs> and it's really irritating. And really the only Wes Anderson movie that doesn't have that is... Um, Moonrise Kingdom? No. No, yes, Moonrise Kingdom. The one the with girl, the, yeah. the camping with the girl. Yeah. Like she's actually her own character and drives a lot of the plot. Every other Wes Anderson movie, the girl's just like this beautiful thing someone's obsessed with. Wow. And I'm just like, come on, Wes Anderson, you're better than this. Just try a little bit. Is he, though? <laughs> yeah, he I, could. I don't know. I always feel like everyone has a... It's the same I feel like. Everyone has a potentiality to be the worst person in the world. Sure. Everyone has a potential of being the best. Right. And when you're a very talented artist, all you have to do is just start putting a little effort into it, and you might make something amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I just... Uh... When a certain writer has certain tendencies, I feel like it is after a certain point, 
almost impossible for them to yeah. to, to evolve well, they from keep that getting and break validated them. by their cho- right. their choices over and over again why so, should they change well, yeah. i'm not validating him anymore <laughs> write a good fucking female character and maybe try to actually have a black character or someone else that would be cool <laughs> Have- I'm okay. I'm good. <laughs> Honestly, what I wanted to do is a gay character because I think mm. you could write one really well, yeah. and that might actually be in his wheelhouse. Because he's it could never still done be that. a dude. It could still yeah. have all the dude problems, and he'd still be expanding his horizons yeah. a little bit. Baby yeah. steps. We'll get Baby him there. Baby steps. <laughs> uh, still Emily- involves a penis. <laughs> <laughs> still a dude. Still can have like daddy issues. He can still do all the Wes Anderson things. Just you know, let's start including more people. Yeah. But whatever. But other than that, it was still a great movie with great claymation. Uh, and I mean, as a dog person, I mean, I'm an animal person, but for anyone who's more specifically about dogs, it really is about how much are you willing to sacrifice or fight for your pet, which is a fun message for me. I would murder for my pet. Yeah. Well, this kid almost dies multiple times for his pet. Spends a whole movie with a pipe hanging out of his head. Ooh. <laughs> I really liked it, but I I, yeah. I don't have any defense whatsoever for a single complaint you just yeah. made. So it's like I like the movie, but <clears throat> anywho, yeah. Uh, Emily, what about you? Where have you been? I watched Lost in Space, oh. and I really enjoyed it. Um, Parker Posey is awesome as Doctor Smith. She's so hateful, and but what's beautiful about her is that she genuinely, constantly tries to convince everyone that she's not evil like it seems really important to her mm. that everyone not think she's evil so as she does evil, evil things okay. which is really great I haven't watched it yet. oh yeah no dr smith's a bad guy oh. like, that's how pretty, much that uh, pretty scenery on. does she chew um no she's not that bad actually not that bad oh, her like... hair chews a lot <laughs> uh it is a terrible haircut hmm. um but uh yeah no i really enjoyed the way that i never watched the original series i watched the movie which is pretty yeah. great guys um <laughs> And uh, so that was, my, that was my only... It was the second DVD I ever bought. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I was like waiting for the Matt LeBlanc. Actually, the guy who's the Matt LeBlanc character is pretty awesome, too. Mm. Um, I, I like the way that they... Uh, it's really like a... like well, Again, my only reference is the movie, but it's kind of like... Uh, it's sort of like the, the first season is all leading up to um, stuff. So it's sort of like establishing their world, and you really take the time to get to know these people, but also to get to know like every like the familiar world and it's not really until the end of the season where you see them really start to to get into what the show's going to become hmm. so it's almost like an epilogue or a, not epilogue uh a prequel pre pre prequel i guess or a it's a prologue a prologue that's the word i'm going for season-long prologue season-long <laughs> prologue <laughs> that exhausting but it's kind of like the same thing they did with preacher you know yeah. the first season of preacher was building up to where the comic book really exists and the second season went and the second yeah. season went, you know that promise we made? <laughs> nah. I'm Seth um, Rogen. I break promises. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I thought I loved I loved the just the emotions. I, I felt really worried about characters a lot. And there's some scenes where you're like, holy shit, how are they getting out of There was a lot of that. There's a, It does a really great job of putting problems on problems. So you're like, oh shit, how are they getting out of this? Oh, I think they can. Oh, nope, they can't get out that way. Oh shit, now what? This happened. This happened too? Oh no. Like they're totally fucked. It's just really really like a lot of that that's screenwriting 101 yeah, i remember man. learning that in in college yeah. all right you put the, your characters in this yeah. uh, thing what's the worst thing that could happen <laughs> yep. there's a lot of that on this show it's really great how many episodes is it uh like i don't remember 10 or 13 something, something like, that. like that 13 okay. maybe i, don't yeah, I mean remember. I, and that make, all of them. I think from if you are you know 
born before like 1995 you are more used to like 20 episode 24 episode thing not that mm-hmm. they don't do that anymore but i think like everyone is getting more used to shorter seasons now yeah. we're so, becoming the british yes yeah. which is which not is fine yeah and i think that it actually works better with sci-fi sometimes anyways because it lets people lets you focus on where you're going as opposed to having that space to meander in the middle like it's like okay well we've got 20 two episodes really this arc only needs 18 we've got three episodes of meandering and sometimes filler. yeah sometimes yeah. they meander good and sometimes they yeah, meander and there's no bad. there's no pressure in the modern binge culture to have uh, standalone episodes sure. which is really hard for sci-fi shows to do yeah. and they always try to do it and it never works they always end up going with mythology unless they're supernatural i guess i don't agree with that at all there's a lot of standalone star trek episodes that are fantastic well, Star Trek is episodic and uh, by nature. Yeah, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm talking like, bro- like <laughs> but the, the, the there's over, a ton the arc of sci-fi shows. Okay. Yeah, like you know, Supernatural is an arc-based show, but does have cases of the week, so yeah. it's you know. But like, I'm um, for for instance, like Enterprise season three was a long was a season long story arc, and if they hadn't had to do standalones, it would have been a like a perfect season. The standalones are what kill it. Hmm. I've never regone re. Season three of Enterprise, I will defend to anyone. It is amazing, (laughs) except for a couple of really bad standalone episodes. But uh, it's a fun. And and if, again, if that season had 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 13 episodes instead of 20, however many it had, Mm -hmm. it would have been perfect. Mm. Hmm. Tamara, what about you? Um, I have been watching a lot of random stuff and wrestling. (laughs) <laughs> because plug 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 I'm on a, a podcast called Women Wrestling Friends with my friend Sarah the Rebel and so uh, we have uh, mostly women on the show to come talk about wrestling because it's one of those another one of those spaces where you're like no women want do this and it's like yeah yeah no no Wherever there is a fandom, women will be there. So I'm uh, not sure if you're right about that. I'm yeah. pretty sure fandoms for men only. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, think of something. Who wants to watch Magic, really buff dudes oiled down wrestle each other and do spectacular <laughs> athletic feats? No woman's only, interested in that. Only men. Oh yeah, clearly, yeah. clearly. <laughs> only men. There's a whole TV it, show now about women in wrestling. Yeah. Are, are there any female fans of? Duck Dynasty? <laughs> oh, are yeah. there fans sure. of Duck Dynasty? There are. <laughs> they, have a lot of, they have a lot of products at Walmart. Those are the same ladies who buy like the pearl-handled pink pistols? Yes. Okay. And in the darkest <laughs> corners of the darkest mines and the darkest spaces, there are. you will find them. They will be there. They will be there. Um, so yeah, so I did that. And then, okay, so I want to talk about this a little bit because this is a very old movie that I finally saw the end of, which I never watched the entire thing because I didn't want to. So I believe it's called Upset and it's Idris Elba and Beyonce and Ali Larder and it's basically like a kind of fatal attractions kind of thing oh I worked with the DP on that oh okay so so it's one of those movies where I was interested in it because I know you know you know how this movie's gonna end it's gonna end with Ali Larder and Beyonce's characters in a fight and Ali Larder's gonna die because you know that that's Beyonce's not gonna lose at anything 100% right exactly she stays winning so (laughs) um I just I was that movie was on so I was like okay Oh, it's like it's got like maybe 20 minutes left in it. Great. This is perfect. I'll be able to see the last fight. So I turn it on and essentially uh, Elio Larder's character was a temp at Idris Elba's company and then got, as the title says, obsessed. And so she <laughs> thinks that they're together and it's going to be a whole thing. She actually like takes the baby, their baby out of the house. And that was like 
last straw. Beyonce calls calls him, That's the leaves last a message. Like- well, it was like it was like okay, we're we're fine with the police dealing with this, and then it, she touched Beyonce's baby, Fucking and Beyonce left a message on her thing talking about, hey, uh, a knuck if you buck. Like basically, she was like, <laughs> if I see you again, it's gonna get down. And so uh, it was actually a pretty satisfying fight. I think there are a couple of points in it where I'm like, realistically. Why didn't, like, this fight wouldn't have went as long as it did. Because even though Allie Larder had crazy strength on her side, um, like, in terms of, like, she's out of her mind, and then is like, in all these movies, whenever someone's Beyonce like... Beyonce could have just used her magic Beyonce powers. Exactly. Um, so there's a part where, like, she's trying to, like, hit her with a, 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 a lamp, and then, I don't know, it's a whole thing. So anyways, I just kept waiting for, like, there are these moments where... Beyonce's character has her on the ground and is like trying to drag her back by her legs like and she's doing all this kind of stuff I'm like yes this is satisfying good good <laughs> excellent uh, and it's a, a nice epic like Disney villain fall death kind of thing so like you get that moment where Beyonce is gonna try and save her but then she's trying to take her you know with Beyonce with her but Beyonce will not do that so she's prying her fingers off of her and you get that nice Disney villain fall through through a table which is a glass table because they keep Ooh. they keep cutting to the glass cable so you know that's coming so anyways that's super random and, and it was awesome yeah. you know I learned a lot I yeah. feel like I don't I want to go watch it, it anymore yeah exactly. you want to watch it I feel I like I don't have to it. anymore yeah exactly <laughs> I don't really into those type of movies yeah. Yeah. no uh, I never but... even saw Fatal Attraction no <laughs> last but not least Diego what about you where have you been doing um, I finally finished Ready Player One, the book. It's, oh, okay. it's taken me probably like three months to read it, and I finally got through it before I watched the movie, which has been—it's a great book. If, if you haven't, if you have not read it, I recommend, highly recommend it. And I've actually been started playing a lot of Fortnite mm-hmm. with all my little cousins and everything. They're all into that, so I'm playing a lot of video games, and I'm also playing one called Horizon Hero Dawn. Mm-hmm. I just started that as well. Amazing game! It's a great. It's better than a movie like you it's it's really 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 a great game the pacing of the story that is insanely well done yeah no it's it it takes you along for a ride and you do not want to stop i have to tell myself like in two hours stop playing like brian just just had a time warp experience with it where he's like i'm gonna play for 20 minutes oh it's four hours (laughs) yeah it just goes it's fun it it just goes yeah and just been doing that and then what and i got to watch uh dread i watched that yesterday Mm -hmm. for this and had a, I rewatched The Crow during the week. Saw my movie again. I didn't watch your guys' movies. I just did it. Just to, so I was like, oh, these are actually good movies. I haven't seen After these. what happened with Hook, I no longer underestimate you. So I watched your movie. Yeah. And I made your notes. Hmm. She does have the best line out of anyone's movies here. Just so you all know. <laughs> I will be unbiased once I start judging, but sure she has the sure best line. There's a uh, lot of one-liners in the crow. Yeah, but it also has caca caca bang, fuck, I'm dead. Which is the best thing ever said in a comic book movie <laughs> forever. I don't think the rest of your movies is as good as that one line. Yeah, Just saying. No, there's that one, though, where he gets, sh- where, where he gets shot. You have to talk about the crow. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. sorry. You've been doing. That's a good transition, yeah. Uh, if that was everything, though, we should get started on today's battle. Um, so this one is coming out, uh, should be, as long as I can do everything correctly, today, if you're listening to this, Avengers Infinity War has just come Ooh. out. Um, you guys got your tickets? Uh, we yeah. Are, Everyone two, at the table has For yep. two different yeah. days. Yeah, yeah we're going f- tomorrow at 9.30 yeah. in the morning. 9.30 in the morning. Friday at 8, and then Saturday at 4.15. We're all really banking on this movie being incredible. Yeah. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying be. to, I want to start a pool and like make bets on who's dying. That's, uh, I don't I, wanna, can we I don't, talk about who we think? I don't want to know anyone's, uh, 
I don't want to know anyone's dying. But we don't know. People we don't have know. to die. Oh, oh we know. No, you no, look, up their, con- you look up their contracts when yes, they're over. Yes, because the Marvel's just going to suck so bad if none of them die. I don't want to know. I hate when is... TV shows are like, on the next episode, one of these will die. I'm like, don't fucking tell me that. I'm going to spend the whole episode Otherwise, waiting for somebody no to die. there's no consequences, and then they all have plot armor, and it's not fun. I, I'm not sure if anyone will die because I don't fully trust that Marvel will do that, but I do think someone will. I want to see some fucking people die. I, I think it'll be a big one. Because their contracts are up it. and they're all tired of making these movies. I have, a, yeah. I have a theory that is not based on anything because I have not been looking at the news for this movie. That they're all scrolls because that's where I'm at right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. But it's like one of those things where like I want to say what might happen, but then like I don't if Emily doesn't want to hear my theory. Oh, I mean, Emily, earmuffs. Let yeah. it rip. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the, the whole thing is that Thanos is actually going to succeed, but Tony will be left standing. Really? Because of his armor. I thought he was the one that was definitely going to die. Give me a second. Uh, and then he will get the time stone, shove it into his arc reactor, make be able to go back in time before it happens, and then like ultimate self-sacrifice and save people. That's that's my theory. I like it. I'm not I sure can if see I that, like that. But I, yeah. I, don't, my, I don't really like the MacGuffin of, I'm going to go back in time and save everyone. In my Galaxy opinion, mm-hmm. the, and then we'll move into today's episode, I don't think they'll set the plot around the time stone because that's already been established and we have not established the soul stone yet. Sure. So I think that will be the plot. MacGuffin, if you will. That's because very that's possible. that's the only one we haven't seen yet. It's just, I, I, I feel like, I feel very strongly that Tony's going to be permadead at the end. Oh, of yeah. One. Yeah. So, because, like, everything started with him, and so this is kind of like, some, and I might be wrong, because there's, like, 15 other ways you could write it, but I'm just, like, thinking in my head, like, the different kind of stuff that would happen. Yeah. Hawkeye's a dead man walking as soon as his family oh. showed up. I'm sorry. That's just <laughs> the way it happened. Hawkeye's just... butt. Yeah. Oh, he's so... such a... Can we keep his butt alive? Can we keep his butt, keep his butt alive. <laughs> Anyhow. Hashtag keep Hawkeye's butt alive. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Hawkeye's so, butt will live in your heart. Yeah, because of this movie coming yes, out today sure. slash tomorrow, uh, I wanted to do a comp look battle, and I feel that we've covered DC and Marvel to death on this show. Everyone has. Um, yeah, everyone has. So I figured what would be better than going to all of the other wonderful comp look movies that have been coming out for years and doing a battle of those. So we not- did a pretty good job of spanning time here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, we've done a really good job of, uh, 90s to current, uh, was there anything from the 80s? I don't think so, right? There's probably shouldn't be anything from the 80s. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> point. Like, Punisher. I don't there, know. Was, there, was, there was the Punisher. That, that, that was, was Howard the Duck in the 80s? Yeah. yeah. Howard the Duck was the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Were those two Captain America oh, movies? A, was, that, was that The really bad 80s? ones? The yeah. one with the yeah. early yeah. yeah, those were 80s. Masters um, of the Universe is a cartoon show. The yeah. Shadow? Was the Shadow was 90s. The Shadow was 90s. Yeah. Yeah. There you go, the Masters Dick of the Van Universe. Dyke, not yeah. Dick Van Dyke. Uh, Dick Tracy was the 90s. Phantom was the 90s. I guess the 90s was a big era for like noir comic book movies. Yeah. The strips. So, uh, uh, really quick around the table, let's say what we all have. Chewie has... The Crow. Dread. The Rocketeer. Road to Perdition. <laughs> <laughs> One of these is the not cl- like the other. The classic comic book. <laughs> I mean, I, when Road to Perdition came out, I'd never even heard of the comic book, so I did not know. I had already read it. I had yeah, so did I. It was a great comic book. Um... And that was, was... Correct me if I'm wrong. That was a straight-up graphic novel. Like, it wasn't even really... Yeah, like, so, it's a one-er. It. Yep. A... It's really, really good. You guys should read it. Uh, and then the one that I was going to do when I was not going to host was going to be Blue is the Warmest Color, because that movie uh. is fucking awesome. And the book is just as good as the movie, but totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's for another that day, or is... a former podcast we recorded like three years ago. Emotional. It is very emotional. 
it's a three hour long conversation with intermittent sex scenes. Um, but <laughs> very good movie. Uh, so, uh, as I like to do when I judge, I like to go chronological. So, who has the first movie? Is it? Oh, mine came out in 91. You got 91. That's yeah, definitely. I think it's 91. Yeah. yeah, I'm guessing 93 older. for the yeah project. something like that. It was 94. Okay. Oh, so close. Cool. Made uh, in 93. Very close. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still right. Uh, let me get a timer going okay. for you, and then man, and I'm going to erase all my bias right now, which I have a large one against the Rocketeer because they made the lo- most annoying opening game for their Super Nintendo game. Oh, what does that God, have to do yes. with the movie? Oh, You're absolutely so right, Matt. <laughs> If you could get past the training level, you couldn't play the game. That's the like me. Level ha- is impossible. That's like me hating Tim Burton's Batman because because I rage quit that game when I was seven. <laughs> that's a hard. The NES one. Yeah, the hard game, it's man. Hard, guys. Well, oh, come on. You can't just play that trump card. <laughs> uh, all right, so we got a five minute timer here for you to state your case why the Rocketeer is the best comic book movie on the table today. Okay, so first of all, this movie was directed by Joe Johnston, and Joe Johnston. Uh, also went on to do Captain America the First Avenger, which is currently the best Superman movie out in the theater in, in the last 20 years. I'm not I'm not saying, I'm just saying that he has a track record of being of doing good, earnest, period piece character movies. Um, another reason why this movie is great, punch a Nazi. <laughs> Every it, it holds up the long-standing tradition of heroes punching fucking Nazis because you know what you should do to Nazis punch. you should punch them definitely punch them uh, it also has got it's got a great cast um, you know besides Bill Campbell and Alan Arkin and, and Paul Servino they've got uh, Terry O'Quinn and Timothy Dalton and Eddie Jones who was Pa Cannon Lois and Clark um, international treasure and Oscar winner Margot Margo Martindale and uh, Melora Hardin in a very small part uh, in, as, a, as a singer in the nightclub. And she's got a really great voice and her outfits look great. Uh, Jennifer Colony's super dope. She's not dumb. She, one, one of the major parts of this movie is her playing the, the main bad guy, which is Dalton, by acting. And him not noticing it. He just is like so like, hyped on his own supply that he does not know that she's playing him. And it's great. And it has a really great hero shot, which you like, you, you like these hero shots. So he's on the top of the observatory in front of an American flag with a pistol as a spotlight hits him. It's a great shot. <laughs> so, That's great. Um, and then to, to go further, okay, so I think we have a problem in society, especially like post 9-11 uh, drudgeries, that earnest heroes are not a thing that we get anymore. And I feel like, uh, Cliff Secord is just, an, he, he doesn't even start out, he's like, I'm a fight crime or whatever. It's just like, he is a pilot. His plane got fucked up. He found this this rocket pack. He's like, oh, I'm gonna try and see what it is. And then he gets pulled in this like international Nazi intrigue. But he just does the right thing. Like he's just doing the right thing. He's not like super, like he just has a skill as a pilot. In fact, this is almost like a Green Lantern movie. <laughs> <laughs> Green Lantern but is no. definitely a movie you want to compare it to. Well, <laughs> she's playing no. her audience. No, but I'm but it's a good version of a Green Lantern movie in a way. It's like the the relationship that uh, Jenny and uh, Cliff have is a kind of a relationship you expect in some of these movies, even though it's not as like kind of sarcastic and bantery as a uh, 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 you know uh, Green Lantern has uh, Hal Jordan has with his his girl. But um, yeah, I just there's there is a there is a joy in, to me, and a skill, a definite skill in doing homages 
to these 40s adventure serials. There's not a lot of people that can do them and do them well. It's like Indiana Jones, the, the 90s mummy, this, and then that's kind of it. Like there's not a lot of people, and it's a fun kind of thing. It gets you, you know, it's adventurous. It's not like too, it's not too dark. It's not too light. You have some like crazy stuff happening in the middle of it. Uh, and I just feel like there's a sense of just like, real warmth for it and I and I like movies that make me feel warmth you know like I like movies where it's I can I can you know hooray with the the good guys and boo at the villains and Timothy Dalton is a great villain in this and he has a spectacular death scene <laughs> spoiler alert uh for, for a 30 year old movie um but yeah I just really I just really enjoy the film I feel like there's a there's a it's earnest without being corny. And when it is corny, it's purposefully corny. It's just very aware of what it's doing. And it's, I think it's a hard thing to pull off. And I think that, that it should be lauded for that. Even if, even if the box office didn't hit where it's supposed to, I never got a sequel and I'm very bitter about that. But <laughs> what other, there's a lot of great movies that didn't make a lot of money at the box office. And there's a lot of terrible movies, Transformers, that makes a ton <laughs> of money and we're still seeing you know, things. So that has nothing to do with it. I just really like it, and I want to hug it. It's a good movie. That's it. I'm not even going to take my whole time. I'm, I'm you, done. You, That's good. you nearly got yeah. there. You're within 30 seconds. Yes. Uh, okay, so five minutes to say why this thing doesn't uh, is not as great. Uh, I hear that Emily took notes on this. I did. Uh, one, my entire life, I have thought of Matt Modine, Matthew Modine, as the guy from The Rocketeer. So what I learned yesterday watching this movie is that he is not in this movie. <laughs> um, so that's my first complaint. <laughs> so, uh, so um, it's a little, ho- I feel like it was a little hokey for me. I mean, I know that's what you like about it. And it is, like, it is the only movie on the table that's not super depressing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, the, first of all, the science in this movie is super sketch. Ah, science. Um, they're like, oh, your um, helmet is a rudder. Yeah. It will move. That's not how, no. His this is pants not And even when he's flying, he looks to the left and right, and <laughs> yeah. it's like he's not turning. Also, he's going so fucking fast. You would just die. All your clothes would rip his off. Legs. Yeah. His legs. Yeah. The fire on the legs. His legs would be on fire. You, and you knock into one thing, and you're fucking done. I mean, like, it's just, it's the, the, the science, guys. The science does not pan out. It's really unsafe. It's an Do, incredibly unsafe device. If we were now, good, I'm asking I the mean, question. Hold on a second. So tomorrow, knowing that the science does not hold up, does the world make that okay? Is the world built enough where the science doesn't need to hold up? It's kind of because like basically what they're just saying is like this is an invention. It's it's a suspension of disbelief because they are talking about the mechanics of how that thing works and they go through a, 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 a testing mode of this is how this works. So I think it's not necessary for the science to be super accurate <laughs> in here. I mean like... Everything else is making, you know, uh, Timothy Dalton's uh, actor, Neville Sinclair, did not actually exist. I mean, it has Howard Hughes in it, who's a real guy, but yeah. like, you know, I don't, I don't think it's, uh, there's a lot of complaints that I'd be like, okay, but like the science be- being ready, I'm kind of like, eh. <laughs> I mean, you didn't even know Matthew Modine wasn't in it, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, for me, it's two things. One, you were trying to say how great it is because of Joe Johnston. Joe Johnson did a very good job with Captain America, but yeah. he also did Wolfman in Jurassic Park 3. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying he was great so, at everything. <laughs> he is very hit and miss with his uh, yeah. his repertoire. He, um, he did uh, design Star Wars universe and everything, too. Mark, the, we're not going in. There was a lot of people that designed the Star Wars universe. I, 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 I know Star Wars. <laughs> um, 
And then I'm a huge fan of consequences. What where I was actually just saying about Infinity Gauntlet, uh, Infinity War, whatever it's going to be called. Uh, and in this movie, however much I do enjoy this movie, you never worry about anyone. You're not like really on your, your the edge of your seat going, oh my God, are they going to make it? It's, it's so feel good <laughs> that you never worry. Like, you don't need to really even watch a lot of the movie to be like, I know what's going to happen. Counterpoint? As a kid, you're not sure of all that stuff. This is a family movie. I guess, but so does as, that make it the best movie, though? If it's just if it's just so safe, it's just so great for kids? I don't think it's safe. I think that it, it plays into the sort of concerns for safety that are good for, like, like five-year-old like um i was watching an old some episodes of the wonder woman initial series uh the the uh, linda carter series and it was like one of these episodes that i remember freaking me out as a kid and i'm watching this and watching it now and i'm like okay well this is going you know i don't remember everything that's happening on the episode but i can tell this is going to happen or whatever but they did a good job of making kid me believe in the danger you know when you're seven you're not thinking, you don't know the, the, you're not smart enough to understand all the, like, the things about, like, oh, the show's called Wonder Woman. She's going to be safe every week. You know, like, <laughs> one of the consequences of this episode is she gets uh, hypnotized to not know that she's Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that it plays in, it's, a, it's like a good family romp, which is, again, not a necessarily thing we get live action all the time. Yeah. I will also say uh, Jennifer Connelly is lovely, and that white dress is fabulous, and yes. I want it. Um, <laughs> white dresses, no matter what, unless it's at your wedding, are unrealistic, and people need to not oh, wear them. It's the so good in it. Um, but, again, uh, and she does have that scene where she outacts mm-hmm. Timothy Dalton, which is pretty cool. However, she is at heart a damsel through the entire movie, and she yeah. doesn't really, she's nothing more than the love interest who gets, she's, you know, Marion from Raiders. It's the same basic scenario. So that, I mean, Margot Martindale's fabulous, uh, as always, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, feel like. I would argue that this movie is slave to formula more yeah, than any of the other films very on much the table. So. I mean, and I will, I will say also contextually in 1991. I, you know, we're not. Disney. It's, it's, yeah, it's Disney's Disney 1991. Guys. And I think that, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think that being formula, because there's, everything's a formula technically if you break it down. So it's just well, a matter of how formula, you execute but it. There's formula, but there's being slaved to formula. And we're out of time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Finger guns. Speaking of formula. <laughs> uh, all right. So the next would be Crow, correct? Crow, crow, crow. Crow, crow, crow. crow. Bang, yeah. fuck, I'm dead. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to not being biased. Uh, again, it's really just that one line. Uh, all right, so Chewie, here are your five minutes to say why The Crow is the best movie on the table. So The Crow, guys. It's 1994, and grunge is popular, but you know what's going to kick grunge out the door? Goth. Uh... This movie was so influential, it became a cliche. Like, it was, at least in my high school, everyone that was any anywhere close to being edgy was obsessed with it. And everyone wanted to be the crow every Halloween. <laughs> Even so, like we were talking about with South Park, that they had an entire episode where Satan was going, all right, no one could dress up as the crow. <laughs> and then the, Satan ended up dressing up as the crow. Because he wanted to be that. <laughs> Because it's moody, it's sexy, and it's dangerous. This is what people love. And Brandon Lee, rest in peace, died for this movie. Uh, 
he, this was supposed to be his like big like I'm gonna be a huge movie star and you watch him in this movie and he embodies the character he he's full camp he's full emo he's full like everything and full romance the romance in this movie is like top so sappy it's dripping bloody gore with romance almost <laughs> I know I'm getting a huge face of memory right now no continue because <laughs> the whole movie is about it's a revenge thing about this guy who was murdered while his girlfriend was being brutalized by a bunch of hoodlums in Detroit. And my God, do they make Detroit look awful. <laughs> like, I read a review about this movie where they said, Detroit makes Gotham look joyful. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty accurate, I think. <laughs> and it's just this movie, yes, at some point you could say it's kind of cheesy at this point but it nothing like it had really been shown before at the time uh they did steer away from the source material like they didn't get killed in their apartment in the comic book they got killed on the side of the street uh and the rape scenes way more brutal in the comic book of course um and just as a young person when i watched this movie it's you're like oh it speaks to me i have so many emotions and i can I feel the angst. I feel the need to avenge things. I'm not going to do it because I'll go to jail. <laughs> but he, in one night, he burns people down. Actually, it takes place in about two nights. Because uh, it starts out with uh, Devil's Night, which is the night before Halloween. And then you go into Halloween. And they have a very sweet scene when he, he is one. He killed all the people that killed his... Uh, girlfriend and he's just sitting there laughing and watches kids playing so it's like there's some joy in it a little bit <laughs> uh joy in the crow <laughs> yeah it does have the damsel with a teenage little girl but she's a little girl so it's more damselly like what are you gonna do girl uh um she has her drug-addled mom who is drug addled to the crow. She gets the morphine to come back out of her arms, so he's kind of a savior for her, so that's nice. He's a savior within his revenge at the same time. Uh, he's a very sympathetic character. And I'm trying to think of more. How's things. the villain? Oh my god, the villains in this movie. Talk about sappy and over the top and everything. Uh, the hoodlums themselves each embody like a certain type of thing where you got the guy that's just all about killing. You got the guy that's just plain dumb. Uh, Skank. Skank. Skank, that's his name. Uh, you got the guy that's kind of menacing in the brains, and then you got the, like, almost like Michelangelo, Michelangelo uh, like, f the funny boy guy, where he's just kind of... Fun boy. He's fun boy, mm. and he's a drug addict. He's got a cool name. <laughs> they all got cool nicknames. Uh, and then you have the main, like, gang leader who... He doesn't even make sense. He's so over the top as a villain. He's got the lustrous long hair. He's got his Asian girlfriend that he also says is his sister. So I really don't remember what was Same up with that. Bai Ling. Bai Ling. Is Bai Ling? Being full Bai Ling. <laughs> is, she, is she ever anything else? I don't know. I hope not. I hope that's just her in real life. Uh, <laughs> Pretty sure it is. <laughs> And then they hint at them being like some weird occultists where they like to cut out people's eyes and there's a yeah there's a lot of occult stuff not really Satan worshiping at all uh, but mysticism in this movie and the whole crow aspect is supposed to be from a Native American lore about a soul who died being wronged so bad filled with so much sadness and remorse that can be brought back. 
to avenge whatever happened to him. So that's the whole basis of this. Even though they're all white guys. Even Brandon Lee's half... You're out of time. <laughs> that would have been awesome what you just said if they would have put that at the very front of the movie. With the crow thing. Because yeah. you never... You're like, so the crow gives him magical power. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but what you just said would have been awesome. I'm taking that as the first three seconds of the five minutes of taking this down. Uh, Emily, I'm starting with you again. Okay, all right. Because <laughs> this face. movie has a major woman in a refrigerator's problem? Yep. Um, <laughs> right in the opening fucking scene. Um, his girlfriend, is our fiance, does not get to be a character. She is there just to be raped and murdered so that it can motivate our male main character to get revenge. Mm-hmm. And it's such a cliche. And I don't know. Did you want to add? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't. That's terrible. And, um, you know, The Rock here didn't have any rapes in it, so I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> but, um, Yours is definitely the rapiest movie. Yeah. Well, yes, it is uh, the crow. And But I also feel like it has another thing that I hate, which is bratty teenage kids, uh, particularly when they're girls. I mean, she's not she's like not the bratty. She's not the worst. I wouldn't call her bratty thing, at all. But there is a very specific subset of uh, alternative teenage kid that is basic like it's the it's skateboard yeah, yeah, she's yeah. Skateboard. i got a skateboard i wear flannels I've, I've got attitude and yeah, i'm wearing flannel <laughs> i can she look after her myself mom by her real yeah. name linda or whatever it is I, it's probably linda so i thought it was diane oh whatever she didn't look like a linda <laughs> um and like she's like i could take care of myself and blah 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 but really i'm actually soft and delicate well this movie actually did all that before that really became a cliche this movie started so many cliches and that's bad <laughs> it's influential. It makes it like so this annoying thing. Well, I'm sorry, but this movie affected a lot of people and it stuck. It's also like super 90s. At one point, yeah. they go into a, a club and I'm like, oh my god, it's the bronze. <laughs> right. Or was the the bronze want to be from the crow? Like, <laughs> Maybe, so that's I why I'm know. like, truly, like you watch this movie and you're like, oh, this is so exhausted. Oh, this is so exhausted. I'm like, it's exhausted because of how much people loved it. Loved this movie. It was this was a successful film. Even Roger Except Ebert for the fact that it murdered its praised star. this movie. I I think that okay. So I, the uh, Brandon pers- Lee is great. Yeah, he's super great in this movie. Don't have a problem with him at all. Um, I there's a thing about this movie that is peak, almost like a peak example of all the comic movies that came out in the '90s, which was studios not oops, not really understanding how to interpret the material properly and ending with and ending up with something that it's like I would say that they did a good job. I really enjoy this comic book. Well, there's uh, okay, so I can't Have you read I, it? I can't say I've read a bunch of the comics. I've, I I but but I feel like there's a there's a there's a translation that happens in in um anything supernatural or anything comic-y in it's like Mortal Kombat for example there is a level of cheese that they cannot help but spread on the whole thing that undermines the goodness that's there and it makes it very uh like you know emily was saying it is it makes it very much a product of its time more so than than you would expect because it's not supposed to take place in any sort of time period it just it, it's it, we, it, this, there's... honestly i feel like this movie could exist in the same time period as daredevil right now on netflix mm. like they make hell's it's, kitchen it's really 90s it's, it's really very 90s but you could still like it doesn't take that much updating. It reminded me kind of like a spawn. Almost. Yeah, it, it kind of had a layer of help. Hey, hey there, fellow kids. And, and the Catwoman, it, like his, uh, like like when he's mutating into the crow, it's like it's the Catwoman. 
when she becomes yeah. Catwoman, it's the exact shot for shot thing where she sees yeah, a little that's cat. Just and instead, instead <laughs> that's of like really, when she's no, sewing, it's when he's no putting the makeup on. There's no cat crawling onto and... his face, breathing into it, and then it was a crow. She... Sorry, sorry, <laughs> a crow breathing into his face. <laughs> but the, the crow pecks on his tombstone. It's very symbolic. And then he does full zombie coming out. He doesn't feel well. He goes to his apartment and he starts to have a lot of flashbacks and yeah so does he eat actually i was wondering no, does he, he eat so he doesn't take a shit he does. so then what does he do like what what like once he killed these people like he what's broods. the next thing though? he right. goes back that to his very grave. 90s yeah like he's he literally crawling back to his dead girlfriend's grave going i like i did it or i wish whatever. you had a personality well, <laughs> until he's reborn as Marta Costcos. She, she didn't come back this movie's not gonna do a shit ton of flashbacks it does like memory flashbacks but it's not yeah, gonna to how perfect expedition. and ideal she was yeah well that's what makes it romantic because he's fighting for her yes you you complain about her not having much of a character she's not in the movie <laughs> i know she's just there to be she, raped and murdered she's a flashback yeah well, she was a good person she was trying to help people yeah. getting evicted out of their houses or something that's why they killed i mean her, this if she was really actually supposed her. to be a real character i'd understand your complaints more but she was never supposed that's to the, be there that's the point that's the whole <laughs> she, women yeah, refrigerator's she, argument well the, no that's because they, usually they try to stop them as a character and then kill them like that was never even a thing in this movie and the movie's we're out about time <laughs> Ernie Hudson was great in it. Ernie Hudson was great, and is the is the most <laughs> realized I person. I have to say, of, I have the yeah. Ghostbuster in my movie. Yeah, but he, and he's also the most realized really character of color in any of our movies. In yeah. your time, yeah, there are no people of color. I'm okay. Yeah. Perdition is just like all white people um, yeah. all the time. No, there's Speaking. one black guy in the elevator. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> in elevator, the elevator operator. Did Women he live? in the refrigerator. Oh, yes. Black man in the elevator. So speaking of Road to Perdition, that is yeah. Came out way before Dread. What am I even thinking of? Okay, so <laughs> Road to Perdition. Here we go. It is a Greek tragedy, pretty much. With um, it's three father and son stories all intertwined in one in the Depression era of uh, nineteen thirty-one, the first year of the Depression. So stuff's going. It's when it's starting to really, really get bad for society, and pretty much doing stuff outside of the law is how you're going to make the most money. And we meet our character Mike Sullivan, and he's a family man. And all you see is that the first one of the first things that you see about him is he takes a gun out, and he takes a rosary out, puts him on the table. So it just tells you what kind of person he is. Throws his jacket on it. The kids ask him for dinner. They go outside or they go eat dinner, and then like pretty soon the kids like there's two brothers and they ask each other like, "What's dad do?" They don't really know what their dad does, and it turns out their dad works for a mobster. This mobster has pretty much runs the whole city, and he has. Mike Sullivan has a very, very good um, relationship with his main boss, Paul Newman's character, um, Mr. Rooney. And almost Mr. Rooney almost likes him more than he likes his own son. So the son, Connor, which is played by Daniel Craig, is very jealous of Tom Hanks' character, Mike Sullivan. So it becomes very, like... Uh, he 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 has so much jealousy in him, and he doesn't even know it. But he just knows, like, one day I'm going to get this guy, and I'm going to get him out of the picture, and I don't know how I'm going to do it. And you just see it in his eyes, and all the time. And this movie has very little dialogue, very very little. It's like a lot of it's just with the eyes and just their emotions, and just the way they really um, like counteract each other. Sometimes, like they're they're like they're like what? Like you have to really think about when you're watching this movie because there's it's it's reads just like a comic book almost. It's just like a, looking at a panel, just those little details that you see in people's eyes and the wrinkles and stuff. It's almost like it's beautifully shot by Conrad Hall, and he won an Oscar for it. So there's one thing that none of these movies have is an Oscar, um, and it was nominated for like six other Oscars too. 
But the, the main thing of this movie is it's about a father who has to do what he does for his family to to not let them have to go through that. So all he's doing, he's trying to really throw everything on himself and do all the worst things he has to do to make his family happy and doesn't want his family to end up in the same position as him. The kid ends up, wants to know so much what his dad wants to do that he ends up witnessing a murder. And now Connor is like, well, now we have a witness and we should kill this little kid because he's going to tell him. And now we can kill Mike too. And then I could be dad's favorite little guy. So he tries to, he sets him up. He get, he t- gives a letter to a club owner and then he, Tom Hanks gives a letter to the club owner. The club owner opens it and says, kill this guy and all your debts are paid. And he's like, oh, shit. And it's all in the eyes again. You, there's no words in it. And then he tries to grab his gun. Mike kills the guys. He rushes home because he knows the inevitable happened. David already wanted to kill him. He gets home. Whole family's dead. One of the kids survived. Hellbent on revenge story. Them two go. They want to hit the gang where it hurts the most. And they start bank robbing all of their accounts all over town take all of their money and pretty much when it comes down to it they hire a killer to tell them and the entire movie is just them being chased by wonderfully acted by jude law this murderer that takes pictures of dead bodies so it's even creepier and they just keep going and going and going and they keep robbing banks and then ultimately they end up in a the beach house where they were escaping to and there he was able to track them and in the end it's just a beautiful story on how it ends just like it began with the little kid not knowing what his dad does and everything. And all he wanted to do was be like his dad. And in the end, the dad wanted his son to be nothing like him. So it was complete polar opposites. And he ends up doing the ultimate sacrifice for his son. And I mean, I'm going to ruin it. He gets shot by Jude Law. And then as he gets shot by Jude Law and he's dying and Jude Law's taking a picture of him, he like the little kid shows up behind him protecting his dad and he's pulling a gun on him and pretty much Jude Law's coming closer and closer to him and he just cannot shoot him and thankfully as the dying father is looking at his son about to do something that he just does not want him to do he sees he just can't I don't want my son to kill someone I don't want to be a killer and then at the very end you see Jude Law just fall you think the kid shot him turns out Tom Hanks did he saved his son from having to live that life and everything. And the kid runs back away with this family that they saw earlier in the movie where they ran away and just hid out and got recovered and everything. And then he goes and lives a happy little life with this little family that they knew for like three days. And it's pretty much one of those stories where it's um, it's very Shakespearean in the way where, yeah... The father doesn't want anything to do with it. He, he like it's re, it's really weird. The son wants to be just like his dad, and the dad wants him to be nothing like him because he doesn't know. And in the end, they both get what they wanted. And to me, that's probably the best kind of story. It's almost like a great comedy, like a comedian. You're out of time. They end it with a joke. They, sorry, with a joke. <laughs> Except with death. Except with death. Yeah. All right, five minutes to say why. Emily, do you have notes on this one too? I, do. I have. <laughs> I have three things. Uh, two things, really. Uh, this movie has a woman in refrigerators problem. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking at the IMD, IMDb credits, and uh, other than the wife, everyone's either waitress or prostitute or teacher. There's yeah. the old lady who runs the farm, but yeah, she yeah. gets yeah. one scene. Real sausage fest. Yeah, the, the, uh, the mom exists to be a mom and then to die so that she can motivate the main character to get revenge on all the dudes who wronged him. I'm seeing... Again. 
a little. We said at least mine was never established to even be a character in the movie. It sounds like yours was supposed to be a character at some point. Yeah, the first five minutes she's in it. <laughs> she's just a mom. That's her only purpose. It, it almost like you were saying though. Yes, it is true. Moms like aren't people. She's like there with the kids and everything, and I then they kill her off. Exactly. She has no nothing bride, beyond being a mother. If someone does kill me, please do go full movie rage on them. Go John Wick. Okay. <laughs> no, don't go John Wick because John Wick didn't do anything until someone killed his dog. <laughs> well, what's he gonna murder? Cancer? I don't know. <laughs> That's the third movie I I'd be seen. so into that movie. <laughs> um, it's also a very, very slow paced movie. The I paused to check it out. The inciting incident happens at minute twenty five. It's very wow. slow. Um, yeah. I've, I've, there's been worse. Yeah. It's true. There have been worse. I will say that I did not see this movie. And I didn't see it when it came out because I saw the commercial and it looked sad and boring. It's not. I feel like a history of violence is a better I movie. just have an issue where I, maybe it is because of the lack of female characters. I just don't really do mobster movies. Yeah. I haven't seen very many of them. In- I, I'd say that's not, it's not even really a mobster. I mean, it has to take place with mobsters and everything. It's really a father and son story. Yeah. Like, yeah. Father um, and son stories are fun. Are they? It's, they not this he one. teaches him how to drive to be a getaway driver yeah. in the bank. That was yeah. kind of heartwarming. And I will say Daniel Craig was the perfect choice to play in Paul Newman's son. Oh, yeah. that was so good. I will, like, this is one of those movies where I, from a completely objective standpoint recognize that it is good filmmaking you have a lot of good actors in it everything like that but i just never have any interest in watching it and i feel like that is a problem with uh, a lot of the more serious graphic novels that get turned into movies is the positioning of it and making making it so that normal people who don't quote unquote normal people who don't care about Oh, it was a graphic novel. I didn't read it, or blah, 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 blah. Right? Like, could you get into it? And like when I see when I see a trailer that has no women and no people of color, I'm just not. I'm I'm not going to necessarily be into it. So, um, particularly as an adult, as a kid, you don't notice it as you don't clock it as much. But like. This movie was a two thousand and like four. Oh yeah, no, I was I'm I was I'm very hardcore in being aware of that kind of stuff by that point. So like <laughs> it's just kind of like uh, and it sounds and again and the father and son thing, which I think is a you know it's it's a well explored topic for a good reason. But did I need another one of those in my life at that moment? No, I did not. But that doesn't mean it's not a good movie. It's beautifully shot. Yeah. Like I mean, I can see why it won the Academy Award. Just I mean, sad and boring. It's yeah. not boring. It's not story. The story is it's not. It's sad. It's not boring. It's eh. The pacing is eh, but the, the I, cinematography I, is gorgeous. I have the same issue where I just didn't see it because it didn't it didn't hook me. So. So you didn't see it either. I haven't seen and it. And you haven't seen it? No. Oh, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> but this you is the like thing. it, right? This is <laughs> Yeah. I mean, listen. I'm gonna be real honest. I didn't have a lot of time to, this week to do anything. So that the reason I had four hours of sleep is because I wanted to rewatch The Rocketeer. But. <laughs> The fact that I I would rather rewatch a movie that I've already seen. There you go. As yeah. opposed to see one of the other the, the only movie at this table that I have not seen. I'm just saying. There just you go. Throwing that out there. Yeah. Just say. Can you defend that? Everyone's entitled to their opinion. It's an amazing movie, and yes, I mean it takes place in 1931, where women just 
did, weren't that shoved in, in refrigerators. Yeah, they, <laughs> <laughs> that and like I said, like the only person of like the, the only yeah. black person in the whole movie was the elevator. And I noticed it when I was watching. Yeah. It, I was like, there are no but like honest people. to God, like if you're doing like a, a period piece in the 30s or 40s, and the only way you're gonna have people in color is if you're gonna be uh, people of color in it is you're gonna be racist. I'd rather them not be there at all. Hmm. So you're just throwing that out there. It's not like you're like, oh, you have to, but but it's, if it's gonna be like, which city does this movie take place Chicago. in? Chicago. Chicago. Oh, outside Chicago in Chicago. There's black people in Chicago. There's there's kind, there's kind of some. I mean, you know, <laughs> they were one or two. There's some a brown lot in the folks south there. Side at that time. Otherwise, yes, they were all put into the service industry. Yeah, and they're all they're a bunch of Irish mobsters too, though. What's accurate? Yeah, I mean, not black. No. Irish Irish people were not known for their racial equality. Yeah. <laughs> well, Irish people not the ones in America. Stanley Tucci's character, yeah, yeah, exactly. character could have been black. Oh, that's out of time. Okay. All right. So we got one movie left. America's yes, Dad, Tom Hanks, the best movie. shooting people. Also, uh, while I was watching Road to Perdition yesterday, as soon as Tom Hanks appeared on screen, I was like, oh, I never friended Elvis on Facebook. So, <laughs> so he and I had a conversation. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here we go. Dread. Dread, 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 dread. Dread, dread, dread. is a fucking fabulous movie because it had a legacy to like murder because the original movie with Sylvester Stallone was garbage so uh, it was like it, it blew it out of the water it was like that movie was a piece of shit this movie is fucking awesome and um, it's it takes place in a future where law enforcement is a judge jury executioner on the spot and so Judge Dredd who never takes off his helmet because he never does in the comic book so that's pretty rad Carl Urban is fabulous and you never see his face um, because this movie is not really about Dredd this movie is about a rookie cop who is not really making the grade and she but she's also psychic and she's a woman and they give her a chance one last chance to go out on a day with dread and let him evaluate to see if there's a chance that she can do that she can be a real cop so they go into this building called peach trees which is run by this gangster named mama um played by lena hetty um and uh, so a female villain and uh, and then when she discovers these cops are here and they're investigating this brutal murder that happened on her watch, she shuts the building down and they have to fight their way up to like arrest. Well, really, they're trying to arrest the guy who like murdered these dudes. And she doesn't want that guy to get out and turn her in and cause trouble. So they have to fight their way up and kill Mama and basically kill every single person in the fucking building who was trying to kill them. But along the way, you get... Every person in this building feels like a real person. They all have uh, an identity. They all have a history. They're they're not just easily killed. There's a point at which our main character Ander- Anderson, I think is her name, um, she uh, she gets really yeah Anderson. She um, she kills someone and then later on she meets that man's wife and she's just like just get out of the building because my husband's out there and I don't want you to kill him. And then she realizes she's already killed him. So there's consequences for your actions. She doesn't just brutal murder. It, it comes back around. Um, there's also this really great scene where she psychically goes into this guy's head and he he's like oh it's my head. So he imagines himself raping her and she puts it a stop to it immediately and then terrifies him so much that when he comes out of out of his head he's in a puddle of his own piss. Um, so it's just such a great feminist moment. It's like, oh, you're going to imaginary rape me? Fuck you. You just pissed your pants, asshole. And I made that happen. Um, it's also, uh, I really love the Mama character because she was a prostitute and some John scarred up her face and she was just like, oh, well, I can't use my body as my business anymore. Fine. I'll make murdering everyone in this building and taking over the drug trade my business. Fuck you. All you men work for me now. It's fucking fabulous. Um, it's the... The, the slow-mo drug that everybody's into, it makes your brain slow down. And they, they do that cinematically. 
Um, they show uh, the, whenever anyone is taking this drug, they use slow motion and there's really cool lighting effects and um, probably some CGI mixed in to make it feel slow. And it's just beautifully shot. When people die, it's sometimes it's just beautiful. Like there's a scene where Mama finally spoiler alert, Mama falls down at the end very very slowly when she lands we're looking up at her as her face smashes into the pavement and it's brutal and gross but like gorgeous so the cinematography is fabulous the story is fabulous um all the characters have agency it's a feminist movie but it's violent and um i just i love this movie let me see what else did i write down i wrote i read some really cool stuff um uh, oh we shoot really tight angles on Anderson because she's psychic and we're always like in her head and she's a sympathetic character we almost never shoot any tight angles on Dredd the only time we get a tight tight shot of his face is when he's starting to lose his control of his emotions because um, the entire time he's so stoic and at one point he finally gets angry and she has to pull him back and um, that's the only time that I can remember us being in a real close up on his face the rest of the time we're really distant from him he's always sort of this distant character um, and it's, so it's cinematically it plays out uh, in the same way that you feel emotional it's just really beautiful and excellent filmmaking and um, it just said, uh, and I think I felt the same way a lot of other people did when I saw the ads. It's like I don't know, Judge Dredd was a bad movie, so I don't know if this one's going to be any good. And and I think that's why it didn't make a whole lot of money at the box office because I think a lot of people felt the same way. Um, and that's a shame. Like Chewie was saying when we came in, it's really upsetting how many people did not see this in the theaters because we might have gotten. I mean, there were rumors about a sequel. I don't think it's ever going to happen. They tried to do a Netflix show. Did they? Yeah, they're still trying to make. Oh, yeah, they're okay. still trying to. That's with, good. with Carl Urban that. there. I think the Carl Urban securing is the thing. That's, that would that would be um, cool. Um, everyone should just go to Carl Urban movies. Yeah, he's fucking gorgeous. He is amazing, but you never see his face, and that I think is really really but cool. What, I'm not gonna uh, into you. <laughs> but I think that's really cool that you never see his face because you don't in the comic book but also because it just keeps him being distant and it keeps reminding us that this story isn't really about him at the end of the movie he's not too, so terribly changed he's kind of the same guy um, a little bit changed maybe but not by much but Anderson has really found herself and gained confidence and become a cop you know and decided that this is you know that she can do this um, and uh, I just think it's super fucking great good timing I thought she didn't become a cop though didn't she give her badge back to Dread? Oh yeah, you're and right. Then walks away. But he said she could be. He said she deserved to become a cop. Like at the end, he was like, she yes. gives away her badge, but then he tells the her superior yeah. that she passed. She passed. And, and then back to that whole little badge thing with all like, I'm gonna start ripping it now. Okay. Go for it. Like the whole time when Mama, when they do the Gatling gun thing and they kill everyone and everything, I don't understand why they didn't take their helmets, their their stuff off, and put it on a dead body. And it just shot the face up so they couldn't, like, recognize it or anything. And then just, like, they could just pretend there were, like, other people, like, just laying dead and it got up later. Like, to me, like, that would have been the whole movie. And then they were, like, they had that guy that pissed his pants the whole time. And they were, like, it was, like, you're telling me you couldn't, like, gag him up, tie him up, and throw him in a corner somewhere and then go do what you got to do. Instead, they're, like, they're taking him the whole time with them. It's, like, and he's not, he could just be, hey, they're over here. And he never yeah, he does it. he tries that. And she reads his mind and then basically lets him know that if he does that, he's going to end up paying the price for it. But then, and, and again, like you just said, they're going up this whole building to get this one person that killed three people in the time they're doing that they've already killed 30 people by the time they're at the, the third floor and they still have another hundred they kill another five like thousand people probably in this movie for to get one guy that they never really got and it's just the whole, the whole purpose of the movie i didn't understand it i was like so and the raid did it better uh, actually <laughs> peach trees which is the original screenplay for uh for dread was the title of peach trees and it was actually on the blacklist it was written before the raid was made 
So this the movie raid was actually better. was written first. <laughs> well, this movie is not the same thing as The Raid. The Raid is much more about violence and just about one man's journey, whereas Dread is much broader in scope and has a much uh, bigger story to tell and is much more artistic instead of being... I love both movies, and I think there's room for loving both movies. The Protector um, actually did the whole going up... Oh, there you go. That's very yeah. true. That's very true. If we're going to talk about who did it first. Yeah, right. it's not uh, a brand new concept. Tony Jean, this movie would have been amazing. That would have been amazing. I don't uh, care who did it first, just okay. so you know. We but, don't uh, the thing, it's Better. interesting for me how you keep saying that Anderson's the main character because she is the first one. You meet her before Dread. That is true, right? Uh, no. No? No, you meet him in the opening scene and that's actually my answer to your question but, about like um, they kill all these people in order to protect one. That's established in the opening shot. Dread doesn't care that a pedestrian has been killed except that it broke the law. Dredd's concern is not about saving lives. Dredd's concern is about following the law. This guy murdered people, therefore he must pay the price. Anderson cares about people. Dredd is concerned about the law. So for him, getting that guy, that guy murdered people, therefore he needs to be arrested. And whatever the, how they do that is... Why kill him right away? I don't quite understand, Because she's not 100% sure that he did it. He did it, okay. But even so, so, like, I've watched this movie multiple times. I did see it in theaters and everything, and I... However much I really enjoy Anderson's character, I never thought she was the main character. Hmm. To me, the main character was always Dread, because to me, he, he gets most of the screen time. He makes most of the decisions, and I feel like there was a lot more close-ups than you're actually giving it credit to. Yeah. He Try, a couple times. There, there really aren't as many close-ups of him goes, as I am the law. Because I was, I thought that was really cool as I was watching the movie. How often we see him at a distance but, and we see her uh, up close. And for me. Yes, it is. It is a great movie for women, but saying it's a big feminist movie. I mean, the whole movie is about him judging her, him judging Mama, and him judging Anderson. He judges everybody. Equally. Yeah, he judges everybody. He's a judge. So, That's his job. And then at the end, though, you said that, or you just finished saying, like in the beginning, like he's the law and it's all he cares about yeah. are the rules. But then you said at the end that he's gonna let her be a cop, even though she lost her gun and like didn't. But she she did make up for it. Yeah, she ended uh, up, she lost her gun. She ended up doing the job. Yeah. Like they they succeeded their their mission and they took down this built this huge they ended up taking down like the drug kingpin of the city. So, you know. And one more la- my last thing, for an hour and like half movie, 20 minutes of it is in slow motion. It's like use your time yeah, people more. People complain what? about that was actually all the time and they don't complain about it in this movie. See, I don't mind in this movie because it's for a purpose. It's not just like, "Ooh, we'll do this in slow motion." It's intentionally done to give they, you the feeling. They gave feeling. it a reason, but yeah. otherwise it is a lot of the times done good like, "That's cool looking." It is cool looking. explained it away with the skin, oh, but so it's cool. right, otherwise it's the same sort of thing as Zack Snyder films where yeah. it's like, "This is beautiful." Ah, damn. And I did like Rob Schneider better than the guy they had. First of all, (laughs) how dare you? (laughs) Tamara, do you have anything to say? Um, Not really. It's hard because that's, I like the movie, so it's hard for me to think of things. I love this movie. Well, but it's just strange because like I'm thinking about the criteria into which I'm judging on my things are oh, things yeah yours like, is way more family friendly it's, it's <laughs> more family friendly but do not like, take your children yeah, to see no is, don't take this your is not for kids <laughs> no it's definitely not for kids but from a perspective of how close are you to your comic they're pretty close so yeah mega suit and that's it so, yeah like very well, close to the that. material no i know so but it was you know not i'm not even ripping on it anyway so i'm just gonna <laughs> yeah. finish my thought tamara had nothing bad to say about Dread. i mean there's there's i'm sure there's bad things to say but i was just trying to think of like what's a very specific like bit in the armor that i could really like break and it's a tough one it's a tough one to do so. uh okay so to judge this thing is a son of a bitch yeah um i actually think 
everyone did a very good job defending it and actually a really good job bringing them down because that's where I thought I was going to have to rely on this one is who got ripped down the most and is pretty much equal across the board. Every movie had problems, but everyone was really able to defend the problems for the most part. There's a lot of refrigerator talk. Uh, uh, so here I'm, I'm going to go with the things that I wish people had brought up uh, as much as I can. So the, the one thing that I wish that Diego had brought up is that uh, uh, Road to Perdition is a dude's movie. It is a hunt. I know almost every guy I know loves it. Almost every woman I know either doesn't want to watch it or thinks it's boring. It is a man's movie. And is I, it like a boy's life? Uh, it, it is very much like a boy's life. I, I wish that had been oh brought up. Oh my god, up. it's just like me. Um, I wish the Rocketeer had brought up the action because I think the action is so dated the movie's almost unwatchable. But uh, it, the movie's still... Every movie on the table I fucking love. So it's really tough to judge against it. Um... Dread, I don't remember what argument I really wanted to make against it, but there was something and it didn't quite come up. Um, and then for The Crow, it, it, they, they no, they really hammered the one that I wanted, which is just, again, so dated, it's almost unwatchable. Um, but I unwatchable. Think... <sighs> I just want to go to my guitar and just play. Yeah. <laughs> He's got emotions, solo. guys. It's like I can just I I can hear the grunge coming I out of the screen. <laughs> That's why I'm like, uh, it's the epitome of the morose god. Yeah. Like, it's so, that's why I mean, it's like all the romance, the reason that people become goths is like in that embodied in the crow. Pretty much. Uh, so I'm going to give it to who I think defended their movie the best. And I, I, it's not my favorite movie on the table. And I have to go with the Rocketeer. Woohoo! Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, I was not expecting that at all. And it was not only because she brought up Green Lantern, which was a very solid move. Um, <laughs> the movie was terrible. It, it's it's really not, though. No, uh, yeah, and, the Rocketeer is not terrible. It, no, not the Rocketeer. I, Green Lantern. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Green Lantern movie is awful. I've never <laughs> defended that. I love yeah. it, but it's awful. We're talking about the character uh, and not yeah. the uh, But the, the, the long and the short of it was that uh, it was the most for me, solid argument of why it's dated but still works and why the characters are not fully, like, it just, the argument just worked to fully sell me on it. Uh, and honestly, every, my favorite movie on the table is Road to Perdition, but like I said, I'm a dude, so that makes sense. Um, <laughs> uh, and even like when I was leaving my apartment today, I told you, I'm like, you guys have a steep battle today because I am very locked and loaded for Road to Perdition right now. Um, but that said, uh, every movie here is really, yeah. really fucking good. And if you haven't seen them, although we just spoiled the hell out of them, you should definitely we watch should them. We should do worst comic book adaption. Oh, we don't have enough time for that. Meteor yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's not an Surrogates. adaptation. Actually, I'm surprised nobody, like I tried to lean into it, but I'm surprised nobody brought up the fact that Dredd just fetishizes the fuck out of violence. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, but like my thing about, like the reason why I didn't bring that up at the end was because it's a UK comic basically specifically about mm. the abuse of force by police. Yeah. So it leans into that and that's like the point yeah. of it. And I think that they do a good job at making it an enjoyable film while not playing that down. Mm. It's not it's not hitting it at like the exact levels that you could hit it at, sure. but it's does it's the uh, the best version of they it did, so far. So they did better than Winston alone. Well, yeah. yes. But tomorrow you won. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So we have our winner. Oh. Tomorrow. Your movie is delightful. Yeah. I just want to hug it. Uh, See? Hugs. Yeah. It's, it's, it is the That's, only movie at the table that you feel good about after yeah. you watch. It, it's very true. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> you finish, it's like, oh, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Not, I'm going to go cry in a shower. One more <laughs> thing about Judge Dread, or sorry, just Dread, um, was how come he never, he's always low on ammo. How can you never use the bad guy's guns? 
Did they ever explain yeah, that? Because it's not his gun. Yeah, and it's also he only uses his, his gun, yep. and that he can only use his gun. It's not that he can; that's just what he does. It's that's what I mean. Though, to like, his like DNA. Or yeah. yeah. Like, I'm talking about the bad guy's guns when he's out of ammo. I was it's like, going to say Carl Urban's sexy no matter what, so you don't yeah. need to see his whole face. You really you don't. don't. Just no. those sweet, his sweet mouth. And, and as a hetero man, his butt looks good. His in those butt. Pants. It does. It wow. looks great. There's I, a reason why he's in my cheat list. He makes me hate my butt. Yeah. Just love your butt, honey. This this is an anecdote that has nothing to do with anything other than to talk about that Carl Urban is hot. I was in the Almost Human. (laughs) I love that show and I'm so sad. Almost Human is a great show and I'm eternally sad that it's not still on and that uh, Fox foxed it. But uh, I was in the press room for that at Comic-Con and it was like this one of those weird days where I had like 15 things going on and so I came into the room slightly late so I had to like squeeze in on the round tables so I just sat in a chair and I wasn't paying attention and then they're like okay we have Carl Urban and then he sits right next to me <gasps> whoa so I, oh my God. and you know I'm asking a question and there's Carl Urban just looking me in my face <laughs> and uh, it was nice oh my God. I'm not gonna lie it was not a bad Chewy thing just become a blubbering mess <laughs> yep uh, and I also I'm allowed to have sex with you <laughs> That's how you all say right. to him. <laughs> I need to bring this thing to a close before we start masturbating. Okay, so we're going to do a quick round of plugs. Uh, I will go first. I have recorded the first two episodes. I'm recording two more tomorrow of our new podcast, which will be in the same feed. So if you're listening to us, you will already find it there. And that is uh, Venture Bros, the Venture Brothers podcast, where we review each and every episode of the Venture Brothers. Uh, and then you can find us, of course, on ATHpod.com. Uh, I don't have anything to plug. Other than it's all interesting already being in almost parent because I've already lectured people about something. Yeah. I had one dude trying to shame parents for going to Coachella, and I'm like, dude, you can take vacations from your kids, yeah. bro. Yep. Everything's <laughs> going to be very okay. needed. Yeah. A plug for vacations from your kids. Yeah. There we go. No. <laughs> like, we're uh, already planning it. <laughs> uh, my website for cosplays, Emily Blake's www.emilyblakesos.com is up. And also, I have just put, if you are interested in cosplaying as the new 13th Doctor, Ooh. I have put 13th Doctor coats up in my etsy shop so you can go on etsy you can order the coat and you'll have it in like two to three weeks um and that is emily blake sews on etsy i am currently the only person selling that coat on etsy what what? corner Uh, the market (laughs) yeah uh anything that new i'm working with i'll talk about on twitter at misfits uh, tomorrow and also i am the supergirl weekly columnist for the tv show on dccomics.com so if you want to hear about my weekly thoughts about Supergirl, the TV show, you can go there and check me out. And what's the name of your wrestling podcast? Uh, Women Wrestling Friends. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> and Diego, you have your own podcast as well? Yes, it's called Cruise Stories. Um, it's at cruisestories.org, or you can go on our Facebook page, Cruise Stories. And it's really just about the trials and laughter and everything that happens in people that work on film crews and we interview them and it's a it's an edited podcast it's not just like this where we're talking it's very like npr-ish and we break it down and it's it's fun so it, you it, talk like this today on <laughs> welcome very stories. ira glassish yeah. like, <laughs> welcome to crew stories on yeah. Diego Marisco. And it, yeah <laughs> and we, and we, we got like four episodes and we're working on another one right now and we're going to release it once we have like 10 episodes yeah. just so people could binge it. You can in- interview three of the people at this table. Yeah. Exactly. We all you work in the industry. You should try interviewing me while I'm in labor. That, oh. Or that's not. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big one, actually. Getting pregnant and like how you're going to... like that. That's actually one of our big segments on a buddy of ours, on what they did with work and having yeah. babies. And it's a big thing. I'm and, just quitting. And, and people don't know. like You don't know who to talk to. You know other people to talk to, but to actually have it on a podcast where anyone all over the country or the world can hear it and be like, oh, that's how they did it. Like I have a grip yeah. friend that... 
only takes doesn't work Fridays, period. No matter what, and he actually found enough crews that will float him for that day for Friday, and actually works four days a week. And his wife work it doesn't work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and she works Friday. Saturday. So he's a full time parent for three days, and they were able to do that. And hmm, that's it's awesome. really interesting. Yeah. Do you have a, a launch date in mind for this? Uh, as soon as the fifth one's done. Cool. So as like, soon as the fifth one's done. Yeah, probably with, the within a, within a, the end of this month. <laughs> okay. We should be done. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Anticipation, right. guys. Yeah, yes. so everyone look for that and uh, look for the women wrestling and Supergirl and all this stuff. We just gave you a whole bunch of shit to go do and it all sounds awesome. So thank you very much for everyone for listening and bye! bye. Hello. Bye.